Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Psychic, psychic Josh is there. Um, resplendent in a kind of uh, grey jogging contraption, it looks like to me. Josh, is that fair? Yeah, which I have not been using for jogging, especially no. not with a slippery, icy, snowy. Yeah, be road careful out there, people. Them. I mean, you yeah. don't want to go walking around and fall on your arm and have a broken arm and then have to go on about it on a podcast yeah. for a couple of months. So I just thought <laughs> I'd stay indoors. Never, never. I did actually just bef- just before we we come on air tonight, Monday, six oh eight p.m. I did go for a walk along the treacherous paths of Bermondsey Street. And um, do you know, I felt terrified. I was like terrified. But what I've learned is you can't, can't you've got to kind of go forward. You've got to be purposeful because otherwise you're more, I think you're more likely to slip over and, and do damage if you're kind of a bit tentative. I think that's how I did it when I, when I broke my arm. You sound a little bit like an Instagram influencer talking about taking step forward yeah. and positive yeah. and don't, yeah. don't be scared of that next I, step. I model myself on Instagram influencers. You know that. You know that. Um, let's introduce our guest. What? You're much I more influential much on Twitter. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Well, I mean, I've got a lot of followers. I don't know how influential I am, but I've got a lot of followers. <laughs> I don't know what my ratioing is like. Um, anyway, talking of having a, a lot of influence, uh, we have a lovely guest, Dan Betts, a.k.a. Jock AFC, Jockman AFC on Twitter. Um, he writes about the Arsenal every day, every single day. Of his life. It's a fair Welcome down. Well, thank you very much for having. <laughs> thank you very much for having me, Josh Boyd. Lovely to lovely to be here. Pleasure, pleasure. You write for the Guna fanzine. Um, I haven't written for them for a, for oh. a few months, but yeah. Oh, but I, okay. Um, what are your outlets though? Where are you writing at Arsenal? Uh, the Arsenal Review, which um, is oh, yeah. is gaining traction by the second. There's loads of followers. There's lots of good content. There's um cash prizes for picking the team it's a really good solid website there's um uh and my own website which is um up the arsenal.com 
Of course, of course. Um, let's. Uh, I've, I've been trying to cheer myself up since um, I was really depressed after the um, Wolves game because you know, I mean, fucking two red cards. The whole thing was just a nightmare, wasn't it? It was just an absolute nightmare. Of they, they scored a world class goal. We could have Saka could have had a goal in the first ninety seconds. But over that, then we play Aston Villa. They score after ninety seconds. <laughs> completely gifted by us mm. in every way, shape and form. And they can, they'd cope. And then uh, as soon as we scored that, as soon as we let that goal in, I have to say, I was, I don't feel we're, we're the kind of team that can cope with that kind of thing very well. Do you know what I mean? Even, even now, like after all these years, Arteta coming in, we've been playing, we, you know, we've had an uptick in form recently, apart from the, the disastrous um, in, incidents um, against Wolves. But I still feel like we have that emotional fragility. And when we let a goal in after 90 seconds, it's totally our own fault. I think everyone's a bit on edge. And I felt like that's how we played that game. Like we hold the, Certainly in the first half, I felt like they're all on edge, you know, slightly and slightly tentative. Whereas up until that point, you know, we've been very positive as an attack. We'd, we'd managed to sort out our problems in the what I'm calling the disastrous period of earlier in the season where we were absolutely shit. So... And then the second half, I thought we were all right. We were kind of decent. And then, this is my summary, by the way, Dan, that I'm doing. And then, I will stop talking soon. No, no, and it's, then good, it's good. We kind of got it together. I thought we were decent the second half. Some people said we were shit for the whole game. I don't think we were that bad. We were kind of decent. And then he made some substitutions. We could have had a penalty, I feel, when their goalkeeper molested Lacazette. <laughs> Um, their goalkeeper, former Arsenal, former Arsenal great, um, and then uh, he brought on um, he brought on William. Oh my, oh my God! We'll get to that. So these are the key incidents, as far as I'm concerned. What did you make of the whole thing? And am I being slightly um, paranoid and crazy when I say I feel like our season is on the verge of falling apart completely? <laughs> Josh, you want to take this? No, Dan, what's your feeling? Dan, Um, Dan, you're the guest. I think the problem is a problem of two halves, to use the age-old analogy. Um, I actually wrote about this yesterday. Um, I think your point about dealing with adversity, yeah, there is a certain mental fragility. Um, uh, Our winning points from losing positions is lower than the majority of uh, teams in the league. um, There was a stat, you know, that pops up in the bottom left-hand corner. Um, yeah. But the Wolves game was completely different to the, the the Villa game. The Wolves game, it was a case of it was the perfect storm, a milestone of shit conditions. I mean, you had the world of a goal that no keeper would have kept out from uh, Matinho. Um, was it? yeah, it was Matinho. Uh, Thirty yard rocket. No one's going to keep that out. But then that. I'm still seething about that red card because you see, I, I'm, no doubt you both have seen the comparisons on social media. How can this be a red card when this wasn't a red card? How can this, it, even looking over the rule book, all right, because he didn't attempt to tackle, he has to be sent off, which that doesn't, it, it, if you just take a step back, t- take a step back and use logic. If you're not attempting a tackle and it's purely accidental, which the referee VAR, and the FA have all reviewed the incident and said it's still a red card. Yeah, and it was his knee as Louise is is putting his hands back. He's not making a tackle, and he, his momentum with his knee is carrying him forward. And William Jose, the bottom of his studs as he's running, gets the merest of flicks mm. that 
it should not it shouldn't be enough to send a pack of cards down and yet he tumbles to the floor. I still can't wrap my head around how anyone can say never mind it was a penalty that it was a red card I, so I, yeah. I, I, just on that just on that before yeah you're right hmm. and and I've been thinking about that more as well because because of the subsequent because we did appeal and there've been other similar incidents where mm. players haven't been sent off in in subsequent games and what what annoys me actually is that the whole discussion of that when it was on BT Sport wasn't it? and that Peter Walton talking about it, and he was the one who brought up this thing about if he'd have made a gone for the ball if he'd have made a tackle he wouldn't have been sent off he would have given a yellow card and everyone's been banging on about that but to me that's not the point the point is he just ha- as a defender, he has the right to be in the vicinity, to run back and generally in the direction of the attacker, doesn't he? Without being sent off. When the attacker, by sheer momentum of his hind leg, catches, actually makes contact with with, with the defender. So it's like, no, 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 forget this whole yellow. That's a red herring. To me, it just on any level was not a penalty because he he just happened to have been there when the attacking player caught him. Yeah, to so me. What, what the law is saying is that he needs to. Oh, oh, he's gone. So I just need to let him go because he right. can't. Be but it's not, or more, more, more than that. If an attacker, say an attack, this happens quite a lot actually. Attackers run into defenders, clearly, obviously, trying to get something. I mean, you know, I've seen salad people do. People do that all the time, and and, and you just either ignore it or whatever, you move on. But that, you know, you, you can't then blame the defender. You can't give the defender a red card when an attacker runs into you because contact is made. So therefore. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a, not wasn't an accidental contact. It was not him instigating the contact. This is what I'm, this is this mm-hmm. is the phrase, the word. He was not the instigator. No. So you know, Dex still doesn't come into it. He didn't. Uh, there was no motion to him to anyway. So yeah, carry on. But anyway, no, no, so no, we've gone over that. So, the, the, the pundits, no expert, really focused on it as much as they should, considering it was so. Yeah such a bad call uh, but I could get over the Wolves game because like you said we started like a house on fire we were all over and we should have been 3-0 up in the first 10 minutes we hit the bar twice uh, Pepe had a yeah. good chance as well I could have got over it because it just felt like fate had dealt us a bad hand it was bad luck uh, they got the penalty and then the, the, the world they have a goal and even with even with nine men well, I mean we still created a chance towards the end which so I got over that but the Villa game it, what we didn't play as well Um and I think the um, the bad decisions from the Wolves game carried over. Like you said, we didn't deal with adversity that well. We, we started off very sluggishly. Cedric, who, to be fair to him, has been playing really well out of context at left back. Um, Gift-wrapped the, the goal. Uh, Triori cut it back for Watkins to finish with a deflected shot. So that's another case of bad luck. I mean, the ball could have went anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, it just... <laughs> It seemed that the best chances were still falling to Villa, even though they went a goal up. That should have fired us up. It should have stoked us up and thought, you know what? I'm not having this. This is the Arsenal. We've, we can't lose two in a row. We can't let Villa do the double over us as well as Wolves. I mean, that's four league games we've lost against Wolves and Villa this season. Um, These fucking and, Midlands teams, man. <laughs> we, did, we just did. I don't think we've reacted as strongly as we should have done. Um yeah, I was kind of mystified by our reaction. It wasn't, like you say, we didn't play badly, but I thought there'd be a reaction. I think it was laboured. It felt laboured. Yeah, that's a very good choice of words, actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What did you think, Josh? What did you think of the the team selection? Because he basically, he just he just replaced the players that weren't available because of the red cards, didn't he? And I, and I in theory, I thought I was fully in favour of that because I think 
it was almost like, I, I think at the end of the last podcast, I said this, I was like, he, what he really needs to do is say to the team, look, you played really well. You know, you played. You did not deserve to. Lose. Bad luck. Let's get over it. Pick the same players, and he did. He picked the same players, but I think maybe certain players like Emil Smith Rowe, dare I say, stop. You know, understandably, maybe a bit tired, maybe slightly less on it than he has been because he's been brilliant in the in, in you know since he Hang since on. he arrived so, on the scene. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not here to have a go at Smith Rowe, but but he was the one that got left out in the in the FA Cup game at Southampton fairly recently. He was the one that's been given a break more than others. So. You know, I well, I, I don't know what else. Um, sorry, yeah, that FA Cup game was was a, was a while ago, wasn't it? it yeah, was... I'm, I'm saying he's the one that's yeah. had a, you know had a break compared okay. to some others. Look, it, you know, and also, I mean, what else do you do about Bamiang is is out of form, so mm. there wasn't a strong argument to bring him back in, and you, you no, couldn't no. really have argued with it. Pepe has increasingly been of a you know a, a positive note in a slightly difficult couple of games for us. Um, and the Atsaka, I think there'll still be people pulling their hair out of why it's Willian that's you know seems to find minutes every single game when you know Martinelli must be fit to be on a bench, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't be on a bench. So that's a slightly strange one that we you know why why is he not the one that we're being called upon? I just felt. Oh, you know, I mean, if you go, to have it wasn't a, slightly strange. It was fucking insane. But yeah, and I'm not here to have a go at Cedric, but. Look, I'm all for Arteta clearing out the squad and, and feeling like he has put his stamp on this authority, but maybe was it just a moment where you thought, do you know what? Not only have we got Southampton's second choice right back, but we're playing him at left back, and maybe that isn't going to be a brilliant plan when you know push comes to shove. And I just had a moment there where I'm like, look, Tierney's out, and Tierney, probably him and Sakram are, you know, the two players of a season. And it's a massive blow to have him out. But I don't know, I was just sitting there thinking, well, Kalazinac, I mean, yes, you'd have you'd have absolutely played him. And just now, even with no Maitland Niles in the squad, it just made me wonder a little bit, are, there, are we just a couple um down on where we should be from a squad point of view? Um but I'm with Dan overall. I could accept last Wednesday as, you know, a sense of injustice, a sense of one good half of football followed by a trying to still make a chance when there was nine men. Saturday felt not as bad. Let's be honest, not as bad as some of October and November felt, but really disappointing. And, you know, just to take one point from nine after having taken, what was it, um, 16 out of, uh, 16 out of 18 it, it, or 16 sorry 16 out of 21 it just you know it feels like such a couple of steps backwards that you know in a way that Liverpool have suddenly got themselves out of a title race have we got ourselves out of a European race in a in a similar period mm-hmm. and you know you, you'd worry you'd worry and if we are to get back on track then it feels like there's not much room for manoeuvre and given that two of our next three games are against City and Leicester you're a little bit, a little bit nervous. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you bring up Liverpool because I was slightly comforted because it was I was starting to feel like you know we were cursed because because you, you know Dan went through all the different kind of the bad luck we've had. I do think we've had really bad luck. Then there's the whole refereeing thing, which we'll get to. There's the whole is there a conspiracy of referees against us? Because you know, I mean, no, there isn't. But there's definitely there's definitely like. We've definitely been on the end of of, of some really bad decisions, put it that way, uh, more than our fair share. Um, but. When I watched Liverpool, because I, I was thinking, oh, is it just us? We have these players that commit an, a, a terrible error. You know, suddenly, you know, Leno suddenly handling outside of his area. Mad moment of madness. You know, the sendings off. 
blah 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 the the the, um, the Cedric gift of a goal um, uh, on Saturday and then you watch the Liverpool game yesterday where Allison, the goalkeeper, had this like extended period of insanity because <laughs> he not only not only did he did he consi- both two goals came directly from him giving the ball away. He had about a, a four two other moments where he did the same thing, and I was like, oh okay. Well, I mean, he's one of the best players in the world. He's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and one playing for one of the best teams in the world. So it can even happen to them. But I feel like the difference with us is like I feel like Liverpool will definitely recover and you know make top four. I worry with us that. As I say, you know, this could be this potentially could be a disastrous turning point in the season if we don't. If then every single every single player has to be on it and has to be focused and concentrating, hundred percent for every single minute of, of the of the game for us to play well enough to 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 now go on a run and rescue our our league place. Dan, where were you on the whole debate about you know when he rested players again in in, in the cup game and then you know. I felt he was vindicated. Now again, people are saying, reminding me of of that. Well, now now we're back to tenth. Am I unvindicated because we're because we've had this little bad run in the league? Where were you on that debate? I think he needs to be able to trust every single member of his squad, and if he can, that's on the squad, not him. He has given repeated chances to these to these players, so he rotated because he thinks. These players are uh, full internationals, the majority of them, um, Premier League seasoned vets, some of them. Uh, and they all should be able to step up and be counted. And he's given them repeated chances. So he thought, OK, I need to use these players because I can't use the same 11 every single time because the, the fixture list is, is is nuts at the moment in terms of, you know, the effect that uh, COVID has, has had on it. So he puts them in and they let him down badly. But that, that in no way is Arteta's mm. fault. Um, yeah. I, I do think Josh raised a very good point regarding our squad. I think he's made a few judgment calls, which... I think you need to give him a margin of error because of his lack of experience. He probably thought, okay, we've got some really versatile players here. And, you know, if you can play right back, you can play left back, you're being paid 60 grand a week, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's kind of cut us short a little bit in terms of fullback. Um, all right, let's say I'd go. Um, I, I get that. He's not He's not fullback. He's he's more of a winger than anything else. I mean, he, he couldn't defend for Toffee, but he still would have been a better option. Um Perhaps than Cedric, which is doing a disservice to Cedric because I always like him. I think he's got. A Cedric had one really good game, didn't he, in the recent yeah. one? What was that really? Uh, he had, he... Uh, oh God, blimey! Oh, yeah, he was outstanding, ago. wasn't he? Yeah, it, it was, was a the three nil win. It was a three. Yeah, yeah. Was it against West yeah. Brom? I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And was he playing um, in position that that? that yes, game? I think he might right. have been. But I, th- I think it was Southampton away in the league. Ah. Uh, uh, where where we won three one. He was good that night back on his uh, old territory. But I don't. And I don't, I've got nothing against him. I think he's just totally. Bright. You know, we can't take the mick out of him. He's a proper Portuguese international. I just think you know, you put Hector better in it left back instead of right back, and you're going to end up with a, a worse performance invariably, aren't you? It just you know. Look, maybe you maybe you look the other option Liverpool, Liverpool have got going on defensively, and you think, you know what, we haven't got it that bad after no. all. Um, because the other option, of course, is to play Saka, isn't it, at left back, and let um, you know, and kind of which which he ended up doing, in fact, didn't he on uh, on Saturday when well, he made the substitution? Well, yeah, absolutely, he did. And um, you know, Saka at left back is an exciting proposition. We shouldn't forget it was a uh, England level where he was getting, you know. Caps, yeah. England caps playing yeah. left back. And, uh, you know, if Pepe is uh, having the kind of form that we have come to see in the last couple of weeks, then you think, 
you know, maybe maybe that is an option. But, um, you know, undeniably would miss Saka going forward because at times you think he's a, the most creative player by a considerable... But he's still... I don't think we would miss him that much because he still goes forward anyway, naturally, doesn't he? I think he does... He's going to still create chances from left back um, uh, as he does if he's playing up front, so to speak, or in that, in that kind of... Um, in, in the forward line. Um, also, what do we think of Pe- Pepe? Some, some people um, thought he had a bad game. I mean, he had, didn't have as good a game, it's undeniable, as he has the last few few games. And, of course, the mere fact that he's being picked now in a little run by the managers is proof that he's doing pretty well, swapped over to the other side. And people, people, I saw some people being quite, quite, quite you know, insulting about his performance. Um, but actually, Dan, didn't he have – he actually made – I mean, he didn't finish them, but he had some opportunities and he made some, you know, runs made, in the penalty areas. He made things out of nothing. Um, made things which, out of nothing, right. Which, you know, for 70 – the problem is he's our record buy and the 72 million will constantly be brought up. So he's expected – it's the same thing that um, Ozil had. Um, don't go wrong, that's another kettle of fish I do not wish to open. Um, but no. when there's a massive price tag involved, you are expected to deliver and – Problem is, Pepe, to be fair to him, he's never had that match rhythm because he's never been involved in more than two or three games consecutively. Yeah. And when he has done, he's starting to deliver. And he delivered against Villa, to be fair to him, in a pretty patchy performance by the whole side. So yeah. I just, I think it's pretty unfair on him. I think it, he needs to stay in the side for a prolonged amount of time. And we will see the best of him. Is he a 72 million man? No, far from it. But then there's not many players who are. Yeah, I just think I just, I just don't think he was that bad. He definitely wasn't as good as he had been the previous ones. But he nearly he was, and for everyone really, even like players like Saka, you know, their final product wasn't as great as it had been the last few yeah. games. Just generally, particularly in that first half, um, everyone was slightly wasn't quite as honest. There should be Lacazette had moments where you know he kind of nearly it, we were like so close, weren't we? But that final ball, really, I also thought the pace was slightly off. Like if you look at the stats, I'm just looking at them now. The stats are pretty good. Like we played, we had 67% possession. We had 87% pass accuracy. They only had 73% pass accuracy. 500, 600 passes against 300 for them. And we had 14 shots, albeit only three on target. I mean, you know, it's not that bad, is it? On paper, it's all right. And and I also think they play brilliantly. I think you have to, it's one of those times where I think, you know, scoring after 90 seconds gave them a huge um, boost in confidence, didn't they? Because they had been on, they had been dodgy. They, they lost the previous game. Yeah. But I just thought they all absolutely on it. And I don't think they allowed us to play out. I think they brilliantly stopped us from playing our fast-paced kind of um, counter-attacks. Mm-hmm. And I thought... That, and I thought that was a lot on them. It's difficult, you know, not every game you're going to be able to do play your, your kind of master plan, are you? So I kind of credit them a lot, um, which again is partly why I'm not that angry with the performance as such. Josh? No, and also, I mean, Villa are going to be competitors for whatever yeah. position we're going to end up in this season. If we're talking about the ambitions being, can we sneak into a Europa League position? Villa are going to be pretty much up there. I mean, you have to look at the number of clean sheets they've got. It's... Um, I don't know if it's quite the league highest. It's certainly up there, maybe second highest in the league. It's, it's it's incredibly impressive, especially when they've turned it all around so dramatically from last season. So, you know, there's no shame in uh, in you know in, in going and uh, you know not really like you know hitting three, four, five like you know we did at West Brom and we've did away at Southampton, but. You know the lack of creativity has been the uh, the constant story this season, hasn't it? And it felt like we'd turned the corner, certainly going unbeaten in in January. Um, but yeah, it's a couple of uh, 
a couple of steps back, but um, well, Odegaard, I don't know. I'm Odegaard still not going to get myself as down. I'm not going to get no. myself as down as we were um, late November. I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you wouldn't be calling for Arteta's head like you were two months ago, Boyd, would you? I was not calling for his head, <laughs> you twat. I was, I was, I was spec, I was, ref- I mean, I was saying what everyone was saying was it was getting quite bleak at that point. I mean, we were watching some terrible football and had terrible results. And, th- and now we're not, I don't think our football now is anywhere near, it, it, it's not, it's not, it's good. I think generally our football now is good, even against Villa. Um, you know, I thought we were, we were decent football, albeit not fast enough. We just, we just weren't that bad. And I see, I look on Twitter and I'm like, I can't, I'm not sure if I can really, people go, people's, people are so reactionary, aren't they? They're, they're like, if you're not quite up to the level you have been in the last four games, you're immediately yeah. terrible. And we, we just weren't that bad. But I want to ask one question about, um, about uh, first of all, Odegaard came on and looked decent. Dan, and I had a really good chance, where she kind of blew over, shot over, way over. And I felt like, you know, but would you like to see? I, I, I'm now thinking, bearing in mind, Emil Smith Rowe, I love him. He's been on an amazing run. I've been sing, go, banging on about him for the last, you know, ever since he arrived on the scene um, uh, on this podcast. Ever since he arrived on the scene playing for Arsenal, not arrived, he hasn't been on this podcast. That'd be amazing. Um, but would I'd quite like to see Odegaard? Given a given a, st- a few starts now, and I guess it'd have to be in his position, wouldn't it? I mean, it kind of makes sense in a way. What do you think? Yeah, I think for the next game, I think um, I don't know which one of you said it, but he, he looked a bit jaded against Villa. Um, it wasn't yeah, quite as that. sharp. His interplay around the box, which is normally his his um, you know strength, it just wasn't quite there. And I think he needs a wee bit of a rest. But then, I mean our forward line hasn't really changed over the last few games. So you, you could argue, I mean, Lacazette really wasn't at the races and he's been brilliant uh, lately. Um, Saka, yeah. um, they all lacked just that little bit. So you could argue that rotation is in play, but then the last time he did rotate heavily um, was against Southampton in the cup and we lost. So, um, I mean, I'd oh, bring... yeah, I'm not looking at me- yeah, heavy rotation. <laughs> I'm just looking literally no. at one, one. And also we've got a week off now, haven't we? I mean, you know, that's so... true. Yeah. I didn't think about that. I mean, Odegaard, yeah. he, he he looked tidy and his pedigree and what people are saying about him, like esteemed coaches in Europe, uh, I think he's worthy of a shout. Um, and I'd bring Aubameyang in as well. Uh, but mm. I don't think it can hurt. Uh, Smith Rowe didn't do his chances any good with the last game. So he wouldn't be surprised if he was rotated. Well, that's yeah. what we say about young players. They're going to, you know, be a bit inconsistent with their performances. So I think that's uh, that's fair enough. I mean, did, did you see Tony Cascarino in the Times? He, he said that, um, I think he, what did he say? It was a, a no, very did funny not. comment about Willian. Did you see it? No. no. I think he said he uh, sort of put in a good performance for Aston Villa. I think it was along those lines. I, um, I tend to ignore oh, I mean, whatever right. Cascarino says, to be honest. I think that guy is a tired old hack. I really do. I but think it, he's one of the worst pundits. But, I mean, I, 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 I was, you know, your clients, in, our WhatsApp he group, in our WhatsApp group of uh, chat during the game, mm. there was just this... I mean, it, um, Dan is more likely to know this than both of us. It, I think he's still our joint top assists leader in, in the Premier League with three of which... Certainly, got against an open day of the season against Fulham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that, but I don't think anyone would be say that it's been anything else than let's say at best a, a disappointing start to his Arsenal career. We've got two and a half more years of someone being on huge money, and and this isn't like a we can rip up the contract and he'll find somewhere else to go. He'll stick this out because he's wanted to stay in London and stay at a big club and. It just, it's a worrying one, isn't it? I mean, you can talk about Arteta being able to ship people out who he didn't want and find ways of sorting it out. 
I mean, he signed this player. How on earth do we solve it? I was, I'm going to put my hand up. When Willian joined, the initial news of him signing, I thought, that makes sense. This is a good signing because last season he got, I think it was 16 goal involvements. Um, and he, you know, he was a sporadic starter at best, but he's, um, it, it, he's well known for his stamina. He's well known for his, um, his uh, distribution, his set pieces. Um, I thought this is going to help the youngins develop. And I was really, really pleased. I, I want to know what you guys think. Where is this drop off from? Is it, um, because he's too content, he, he's not pushed by the by the coaches. Because he knew that at Chelsea he would have to perform it out of his skin week in week out. Or is he just now resting on his laurels because he feels he's proved everything? Why he, he is so far removed from the player we just saw last season in, in blue? So what? Where where's that player gone? Because he's he's certainly not playing for Arsenal. I mean, I think yeah. I mean, I think. I'm trying to um, I'm trying to remain calm about William. I find it difficult. I, I, I literally I see his name on the you know even when he's a sub. I mean he's he's always a sub, isn't he at the moment? And whereas Niketia, for example, hasn't made the bench for a couple of games. Must be furious. Um, but but William always is a sub. Most of the time he comes on at least for some. I mean at least he's not starting. At least thank fuck that's been sorted out, right? Yeah. So mainly due to Emil Smith Rowe's arrival on on you know in the team um, and Pepe starting well and all of that, but. He is the most frustrating player that's played for Arsenal for a long, long time. And I include Ozil in that. And um, I think, I think, I mean, as to why, why is a very good question. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, when you've been playing for the same team, he was at Chelsea for years and years, wasn't he? And, you know, they knew him inside out. They knew his strengths. He was pretty much an out and out winger from, you know, wasn't he yeah. at Chelsea and kind of played in the same position almost all the time. Um, I don't think, you know, then Arteta's like, I think Arteta saw him like you, like you were saying as an experienced player to challenge Pepe, maybe who was obviously, you know, whatever we think of him hasn't, hadn't, wasn't everyone's, not everyone's going, Oh yeah, he's definitely worth 72 million. Put it that way. At the very least you could say that about him. Yeah. Um, and, and also potentially you could deploy him in other areas, even though that's not really, even though, you know, he's a, he's an out net winger. Um, and then I just think, he just he's given a huge contract, three years, and I th- do think there's a certain amount of the comfort factor. Also, playing for a different team after playing for the same team for years and years has an effect. Mm. He's also getting older. He's also playing in a team where Arteta has a very specific. I think he tries to get them to play in a very specific way. That's quite kind of intricate, yet at the same time fast and you know. Yeah. And I don't think he's playing in his natural. Had, did he was playing his natural position when he when when he came from the start for us? So all of those reasons, but that none of that none of that explains why when he comes on, he literally is a negative. Yeah, it's like going down to ten men for the us. Stats, isn't it? And it's like the, the stats for his display since he's joined. I mean, if you count out the the, the opening day where he was on fire, he's had yeah. one shot on target in every single combined appearance he's made for us. One shot on target. Uh, yeah. I can't explain that. I mean, that's that's from an attacking perspective because he plays in an attacking position, so he's going to get in those positions. And yeah, but the real you're that. right. The real nightmare, but as Josh alluded to, the nightmare is that this isn't an Urzel situation because this is this manager signed him. This manager wanted him, mm. and so it's a big it's a big thing, isn't it, for a manager to make a very high profile signing that everyone's been slacking off. Apart from that first game, as we say, everyone's saying the same thing. It's a disaster. It's a disaster of signing. But it kind of is seemingly down to Arteta. And so when 
when a manager is so associated with the high-profile signing, it's really difficult. And people are saying, oh, I can't believe he's still... But I can completely believe it because it's his. It's down to him. So he's still... And managers are like that, aren't they? They're not going to go. And even though it's self-harm, it's literally self-harm. You're, you know, you've brought on this player in the end of this game that we desperately need to win and you've and you ruined you've ruined our attack down that side instantly instantly it became like less effective and you have martinelli on the bench as josh mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast so that decision was calamitously terrible but i can understand it because he's desperately hoping that his signing is going to finally come good and do something to prove that it was worth it and he hasn't made a massive fucking mistake. Because the implication is clear. You've made a massive mistake, Arteta. It's down to him. So uh, my worry is that he's never going to come good it's over. You know, this is it. This is the, this is the, de- we've seen the decline of a once perfectly good, if not great player before our very eyes. And I don't think the manager's big enough. It takes a really big, it takes a Pep Guardiola, maybe to admit when you've made, to kind of not worry about it. Cause you've got, by the way, you know, you've got so many other good players. You don't have to worry about it. I yeah. think Pep, I think Arteta thinks, Oh, I've got to keep trying with him. I've got to keep, cause he's on so much money and I signed him and it's a nightmare. It is an absolute, it's one of the biggest, it's like, and I think it could, you know, I, I'm exactly, I, I keep, I'm trying not to exaggerate everything I say because it's falling into the tra- that trap of social media chat. But I think potentially these things do ruin, you know, ruin seasons because, you know, if it's going to bring him, if he's going to make that mistake again, bringing him on as he did on Saturday, mm-hmm. when I think if he'd have brought Martinelli on, you know, I think I at least it wouldn't have nullified our attack, you know, quite so patently as it did. It was yeah. absolutely, he was absolutely awful, wasn't he? You, um, you got to think uh, what the other players are thinking, like like you alluded to, right? The garden. And that's me thinking, well, why can't I get a game when he's in front of me? So then yeah. you know, it starts a negativity within the squad. So I mean, it, it's the, the problems are twofold, threefold, um, just by him playing, getting minutes, and Kenya's not getting on the bench. Reese Nelson, oh, I think he's been injured. Uh, he had a, a small niggle recently, but um, yeah, but he, he played for. The under 23s uh yeah. full game he scored a free kick yeah. didn't he yeah exactly it was, a, it was a blinder yeah but i yeah. mean he, he's not he's not had a sniff everyone was thinking mm-hmm. he was going to go uh go on loan with lindsay because yeah. he just isn't getting a game so yeah yeah i agree okay well let's take a few uh, take a break to recover from the willian which always gets you know gets gets our blood boiling gets out of <laughs> blood pressure reaching reaching unacceptable levels so let's recover let's recover from william chat and we'll be back after this break if you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct something that's less mr bean and more steve mcqueen Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. Um, we, we've had a moment to keep calm, to calm down about William. Let's hope we never see him ever again. <laughs> um, oh, boy, boy. I'm, I'm, I'm it's not realistic. Go on. It's not no, realistic. I know. I know it's not. Do you know what, I though? Said that. You know, I, that no. moment, um, 
in the game the other week, was it United where, where he had the really good opportunity that, um, yeah. you know, fell to him yes. and you were kind of hoping Far it was enough? You just felt in, in slow motion, you're like, is this Arsenal career about to be completely turn a corner, score a big goal, beat United? You know, it, it just mm. needs, it needed yeah. a moment. That's what Arteta's hoping, yeah. Yeah, and it just feels like, you know, the more it goes on, the the less likely it, it feels um, that it's coming. And and he's he's got too much competition in those areas of the pitch to just keep on persisting with him. And you, you're right in what you said. He's, you know, he's downgraded him from being an oblig, obligatory pick at the uh, starting eleven to now being a obligatory sub. And you wonder when he loses even having to have that role in the squad. We should move on to a different topic before we all get more upset. <laughs> Yeah, okay, let's move. Well, I want to mention Martinelli, though, the player that should have come on instead, that mystifyingly didn't. And he's, Martinelli played a half, didn't he? Substituted him a half-time um, a couple of games ago. Was it the last game or the game before? Um, and I was slightly surprised by that at the time, that I didn't think he, you know, I thought that was a bit um, a bit much. And he's not... And I think when he came back from injury, I think we were all hoping, oh, this is could be an instant, like, you know, boost for the club and that he play, pick him. Because I think he's a really, really good player, isn't he? And I, and I wonder whether um, the manager's well, slightly is, not as enthusiastic. Go on. Well, I'm just on, wondering, Josh. is this, you know, it's just funny, isn't it? We'd probably sit here doing the podcast three months ago, you know, wishing him back and doing that thing yeah. you always do, which players become a lot better when they're not playing, right? Yeah. It's, oh, when Martinelli's yeah. back, we'll we'll be flying and be at like a new signing. Mm. And then he is back. And there was that promising game, I think against Chelsea, which kick-started our season really and got us back into good form. And you thought, well, can I give you an example? I do a fantasy league with my friends and um, we have whoever's manager of the month. We do it manually, not the official one. It's an incredibly archaic process. We're effectively on a, not quite pen and paper, but on Google sheets, we have uh, the manager of the month can pick someone who, who hadn't been picked the whole season, who wasn't picked at the auction, who, who hasn't been picked. And on the back of that one game, I happened to be manager of the month for December and I picked Martinelli and I feel felt a fool ever since because there was some, terrific players who who weren't picked that I could have done and I was just sure I was sure Martinelli is now going to be part of you know the season pretty much starting you know enough of the games we'd seen you know fairly indifferent performances from from Pepe and and that's what I thought and to see Arteta leaving him out is a, is a big concern because you know he must you know again he's back from full fitness now uh, sees him in training and obviously doesn't bring him on. And not only is he not bringing, sorry, starting him, he's not bringing him on as sub now. So y- you wonder quite um, what Arteta's view on him on, might be. It might not be quite as as positive as we all hoped. Well, I think it was understandable to not start him when you, when when we did. We'd now, we'd just until, you know, the last couple of games, we'd established that Lacazette, Pepe, Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka was a really good functioning attack, right? So that was that was working. Um, so it's like where where do you fit him in? I think was was an issue when that when those players start working together really well, particularly I think you know Saka right. But now I think well you could you could put Saka back to fullback, you know on the other side and bring Martinelli in there. If you had that, if you have because Saka still Saka is an attacking force, albeit at fullback, a better option than Cedric for example probably. And then you still have Lacazette, Pepe, Lacazette or, or um, or uh, whoever, Pepe, Emil Smith-Rowe, and Martinelli, you try. Um, 
Do you know what I mean, Dan? I, th- I, just, I think he's worth giving a go, isn't he? Like, maybe he will in the Europa. Maybe because we've got the Europa starting, haven't we? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not that's not a gimme tie. It's not like it's against Dundalk. Or, no, I know. I know. You know, it's um, I mean, Benfica are seasoned campaigners in the Europa League. Um, I, I seem to remember um, Martinelli, like you say, got off the flyer against Chelsea. He came on and he plays with no fear. So everyone's like, is that is that uh, Rocky Rocastle type of player where he just takes players on um, and he, he always on the edge of your seat? But he had that game against Chelsea, and then the very next game, I, I seem to remember he he, he was the, um, the victim of a shocking tackle, and mm. they they took him off, and everyone, all the fans were like. He's just come back. He can't have another injury. Please, please, please let him be yeah, fit. That's right, yeah. He was, but after you know, you're at a tender tender age, this is your first serious injury, your first serious comeback, and you, your first game back properly where you start, um, and you get a, a tackle like that. Maybe that's setting back mentally. Um, because after that, he's not started since, I don't think. Um yeah, you're right. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't start him. I think he's he's gonna need uh, substitute appearances, which he should be getting ahead of Willian, but I don't think yeah. he should be anywhere near, near starting just yet. I, I, anywhere near? No, I, I, I think no. I, I want to treat him with kid gloves. Almost, he's such he's this such a force, that, and he can change games from the bench. And he, you know, I, I don't want him thinking that he should be starting because he, he shouldn't be because there are players who are ahead of him, um, and he can play on the flank. He can play as a number nine. Um, Bring him on as a sub, change the game a little bit before chasing it, but um, let him get back to. I mean, anyone who's had an AC, it was an ACL, I believe, um, that he had. Any player who comes back from an ACL, there's that bedding in period. Uh, and, you know, you're not, he's not even finished growing yet. He's not even hit 21. So who knows what's yeah. going on inside that knee of his? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd give him plenty of sub appearances um, and see where we are pre season. Josh, what are you going to say? No, I, I just think it's you know, a bit disappointing to think about the idea of writing off you know, th- this season for him. And you know, much of this season is now all about preparation for next season. I mean, Boyd, you didn't seem too bothered about exiting the FA Cup. And I agree, it did feel like almost a different time before we took one point from nine. But you know, that leaves us very little to, to enjoy from this season, if we're honest. I mean, obviously, we've got the Europa League, of which I, I don't know if you'd seen the news today, but it looks like we're going to have the... Uh, two neutral legs yeah. played in Rome um, yeah. for, for this tie. So it, I, I don't quite know what they do with home and away goals if presumably you just don't bother because it would be absurd to have goals counting as away in one and not the other if the tie is neutral. Yeah, but I, yeah, I haven't yeah. quite seen what they can do on that. But I, I certainly would like to think that, you know, Martinelli is going to get an opportunity, you know, in, in one of these uh, European ties that, that we've got to go forward. And yes, Benfica, it's a, you know, a, a good name. A good offer. We are rightfully favourites. And, and that is kind of what the season uh, might pin on because, you know, yeah, if we win the Europa League, it's, it's that is still the chance of a successful season. Cause I think we've, we're running out of options um, in the league. I mean, you, you, you talk about, you know, six as, you know, points wise, we're not that far away, but we have a problem in that there are a lot of teams, you know, around us of a, of a similar stature. And if you start to look at the fixtures we've actually got in the Premier League coming up, it's tricky. There's just a lot of games that you, you can't see us winning, you know, Man City away. Um, sorry, Man City at home, Leicester away. A couple of weeks later, it's Spurs, you know, West Ham away, Liverpool. There's just games coming up where you can't see us taking enough points to, oh. 
to do yeah. it in the league. So, mm. you know. Yeah. Oh, I think you, I think the Europa's our, our main priority now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I do. yeah. But why were you, I mean, 100%. that's what I mean. But I don't know why you were so not pleased to go out of the FA Cup, but sort of I wasn't pleased to go out there. Let me, I was no, 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 no. I, I, what I was arguing against was the idea that he ha- he shouldn't rotate in that game. He rotated in the cup. It's like every single fucking manager in the world, apart from it so happened that day, our opposition rotated who played his strongest team, Southampton. Look what's happened to them since, by the way. If, you know, I mean, it's been a fucking yeah, calamity. Saying, what, so, so what? They'll be, you know, they might, you know, get a run. Well, in it was, it, it's and... interesting, but they were literally the only team that picked their full strength. Uh, team in the cup in the only Premier League as far as I'm aware I mean at the time I was like it was weird and it was freaky and it was unusual wasn't it not freaky and he only and he did not bring in he didn't bring in like unknown players from the under 23 he played perfectly respectable on paper experienced players I know one of them was fucking William of course one of them was William and we all you know I mean we we said what we said about William but it was not a wacky crazy team where he rest you know it it was like a perfectly decent team that put that on any given day should have been able to beat Southampton They, they didn't and so that, but it wasn't a crazy moment. If uh, of and I, and I, I think everyone Boy. would have been surprised if he'd have picked the same team. And we were playing them a few days later. Remember as well, if he'd have picked mm. exactly the same eleven on both those games, playing the same team within four days, it would have been bizarre. I'm sorry, the other way. So that's all I'm saying. And I'm not. I, I was disappointed to go out of the cup, but you know, if our and, and of course our subsequent bad run, the one point in nine, all of that has 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 underlined. It, it was a shame, and we would have been clinging to it, but. I'm not sure if repeatedly doing well in the FA Cup year after year, which, which has been our story for a long time now, gets us anywhere either. Do you know what I mean? Well, it keeps us in fun. Europe, which is, you know, keeping us in it, Europe is, yeah, is of course. pretty integral to, you know, know, know. the business, isn't it? Um, and also, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're in, we're in massive danger of not being in Europe next season because to go and win the Europa League is, is going to be, you know, a, a considerable, uh, a considerable task. I mean, speaking now, that I mean, where would you expect us to finish? What do you think, Dan? Where 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 do we finish now? I mean, blimey, that's such a good question. Um, I, I like you said, there's so many teams around us that we, it could be anywhere from 14th to to sixth. I, yeah. I genuinely could not put a it's prediction. Possible to answer that? No, I, I, I don't think I can. Um, possible. Um, We've played 23 games. It's quite a proper, <laughs> it's a proper sample size. Head, head, head on the line, neck on the line, whatever part of the body on the line you want to put. Um, I'll, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with sixth. I'll go with sixth. Wow. I think we can. Well, that is optimistic. I, I, I mean, um, I was going to go. <laughs> Josh's face, listeners. Josh's face is like um, literally like do the double take there. And um, I think I'm putting it down more to the unpredictability of the other teams around us yeah. rather than our yeah. our regular um, uh, ability to win, uh, especially with the fixtures we've got coming up. I've not had a look at the impending fixture list, and what Josh has just told me has filled me with horror and dread. Um, Leicester. Um, yeah, Man City, yeah. West Ham, yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. We We've got Leeds. Our next game is Leeds, right? The week yes. already beat Sunday, us. which is a, which is a massive tenth place six pointer. You know they're they're <laughs> below us. They're below us with two games in hand and yeah. two points below. So, but it can go either way, can't it? It can. It's literally that's what I meant. I didn't mean it wasn't a valid question. Of course, it was a. It's what we're all thinking. We're all trying to work out. What I'm saying is anything could happen. Not only bearing in mind the madness of this league, where you know one week. 
Southampton to lose nine nil. The next week they before that they're beating us. You know, but every, the map. You know, Liverpool. What happened to Liverpool yesterday? Insanity. All these things happen. Crazy things happen every single time. So what I'm saying is, it's so difficult to I'm work not sure it out. It's because... that mad this season. I, I, what? I know, it's, I know what? it's the narrative that's been oh the craziest season ever, and you know what? But what's going to end up for the, the first best time? For the yeah, first time in history, wins. there are more away wins, right? Yeah. I mean, so that's it's statistically true. Yeah, and what's statistically right? true is like the best team are going to romp to the title. Because that aside, is the pretty much the only constant you could say though this season. I mean, uh, Man City, yeah, yeah, you've got four, three teams hopelessly worse than like even the rest they're of the even Man City. They're playing without a fucking striker, <laughs> right? Man City are playing without a striker. I mean, even they've got their own little. So bit the of best madness. squad of Literally. players is going to comfortably. I know, run, I know, but still the title, but still. Mm. But still, but still, right? Something anyway, you said. Something you said about. Sorry, Boyd. Um, go on. You were, saying that we we're clinging on to Europe. Um, you know, um, through winning the Europa League, it just took me back to about 10, 10 seasons ago, where we were clinging on to Champions League places by finishing fourth, 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 and then we we're clinging on to uh, winning, uh, staying in Europe, or um, via the FA Cup, and now we're clinging on to Europe by our fingernails in the vain hope of winning the Europa League, it just shows the steady decline we've had in terms of Champions League. No, we've lost it. Uh, Europa League, FA Cup, winning a trophy. No, we've lost it. Now we have to win the Europa League just to stay in Europe. Because like you said, I mean, the likelihood is we will finish outside the top six. I still think we, we might just squeeze it. But um, oh, yeah, we could just squeeze it. Or just to back up your... I mean, just to... But this is what I was going to say. If you look at it, I'm looking at the, the table now, and it, it, this is why it's both possible. You're right. We could be 14th because the the, re, the worrying thing on one level is that all the teams around us, Leeds, um, Villa ahead of us, have got games in hand, right? Mm. I mean, Villa are four points ahead with two games in hand. So you think, fucking hell, even getting even reaching ninth at the moment is a slightly tall order. But then you say, well, we're only we're five points behind Spurs. They've only got one game in hand and we're playing them quite soon. And if we beat them, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, Spurs until, you know, yesterday have been quite shit for quite a few games, um, like us really. So, you know, then we beat them, then we're, you know, a point or so behind. Similarly, I don't think Everton, West Ham are going to, they're both potential. They need to, they both need to have a bad run. I mean, West Ham is fucking ludicrous. They're fit, they're sixth, you know, same amount of points as Chelsea. Chelsea, the nightmare is, the real, for me, the real um, unfortunate thing about this season in some recently is that Chelsea got rid of Frank and brought in a very good manager. And, and I wanted to have this discussion actually. I mean, we, we, we could go on all night. I don't, we don't, we, you know, we've already been going for quite a long time, but it's interesting, isn't it? And I'm not saying I, 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 we should have got rid of Arteta, but when people were saying Arteta out in that really, really bad run, one of the arguments, one of the devil's advocate arguments I said was actually the Chelsea model of ruthlessly getting rid of their manager invariably helps them and they have won loads way more than us obviously they've got loads more money to spend but it's worked doesn't it this has worked getting rid of frank lampard bringing in a world-class coach has instantly worked chelsea are instantly better more solid than they were and they've won three games in a row is it now and they've shot up the league they're fifth they were right we beat them you know and, and you know we're now 10th and you think all i'm i'm not I'm just asking this question, underlining. I'm not saying we should have got rid of him. I'm not. I'm saying get rid of him now. But if we had have got rid of him and brought in a coach like that, like Tuchel, we may not in this be in this position now. It's just something to think about, isn't it? It, it is is sticking with. It's very much the Arsenal thing to do is to stick with someone. But in the end, 
is ruthlessness an option that we should be looking at? Uh, look, Tuchel's going to fit in perfectly because after 18 months, he's going to undermine himself because he's known for his issues with his man management. He, tactically, the guy is so astute. He's up there or near as damn it with, with Guardiola in terms of his uh, acumen of the game. But his man management style is quite confrontational. He, he doesn't uh, suffer... Um, um, it, ignorance or anything um yeah he's 18 months he'll be gone and then they'll do the same thing uh, but in that 18 months he will take chelsea back to where they, they, they they'll be in the right. top three most definitely right. but do, Whereas, so do you want do you, is not having that kind of that kind of system if you like the chelsea have mm. you're right I, I agree with you yeah and say so, you know but don't you think does part of you crave that where actually no no, I'm so, I'm so synonymous with, I think there's um, honour, class and values synonymous with Arsenal. Um, and mm. I, I think we need, I'm so desperate for Arteta to get to be given time because if Pep Guardiola believes that results will come, I mean, he doesn't have to say that. Uh, he, maybe he's framed outside of football, but he doesn't have to say that, you know, stick stick with him. Um, and everyone in football is saying that about Arteta. The guy knows football inside I know. out. Give him time. I know. Um, and it's the Arsenal way to be, you know, it's not, it just seems like there's a lack of class involved in, in you know cutting people um, okay. short from the job. So, but do do you think Josh that he's showing enough Arteta now? You know, despite this recent the recent bad you know the one point nine of the last few games that you still think we have it's you, you still see him being potentially a really good manager who's going to get us back into winning ways. No, I don't just mean in the FA Cup. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I've seen enough. I mean, I, I think there's obviously got to be a concern about the the, the drop off, um, but it could have all been so different. I mean, the whole tone of this podcast, we we were okay against Man United. We we held our own. The draw was probably fair. We were brilliant against Wolves, and it's just a you know, if we'd have just taken a point at Aston Villa, it was just a you know, such a, a ridiculous start to the game and a, a mix up defensively. I. I you know, if we, you know, now go on another run like we did in, you know, October, November, and it's, you know, six games without a Premier League win, then you then you start to sort of worry again. But no, I'm not going to start, you know, worrying about it. I mean, I know, you know, what um, Dan's just said there, we could end up anywhere 6th to 14th. I just think I, I was starting to get ahead of myself a little bit, probably three, four games ago and starting to think about it. But do you know what? But you know, but you're games. right. No, we all were. Josh, we all were. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, I, I reiterate, if Saka had scored that goal in the first 90 seconds of that game, you know, where we ended up having two players sent off and, and you know, then we would be talking now and we would be sixth, seventh right now. But I'm saying um, we're not Boyd and, and we've, we've lost momentum and, and it felt like we course, were going to have to course. go on a brilliant run. Yeah, but we um, weren't being mad just, two games ago thinking that we could play, play be sixth in this league, were we? It wasn't mad. Yeah, yeah, no, it from, I agree. It came I just from think, our improving form. Yeah, I just think ultimately... You know, thirty-one points from twenty-three games is is a lot. Of, it's a lot of games and, and not a lot of points. And I just think it's it's going to be uh, beyond us this year. But so, where do you think we'll finish? Huge clear out. There's been some some new new players brought in, um, and we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens next season. I'm, where I'm do you think we'll finish? Cool for his head. Sorry? Where do you think we'll finish? Where do you think we'll finish? Eighth. Eighth. Okay. Eight. So we fair. don't get into yeah. the Europa with eight, do we? We don't even get into the uh, 
this other one, this Com- Europa Conference League, um, which um, I'm sure everyone is going to be gripped to um, next season. I think it's the winners of the EFL Cup. Uh, so it could be Tottenham. Uh, is that the Intertotal Cup? It sounds like just a reincarnation of the Intertotal Cup, doesn't it? Uh, it, it does, which uh, to an extent, but I think the Intertotal Cup got you into the uh, UEFA Cup if you, if you mm. won it, didn't it? So it's a, yeah. a little bit different. Doesn't this get, yeah, the, the, get you into the Europa no, this is a separate oh. tournament, the uh, oh. UEFA Europa Conference League, oh. uh, which wow. which starts up for uh, next season, and it's unashamedly like the third tier of European club football behind oh, the no. Champions League and the uh, Europa League. So, I mean, what's the fucking point of it? <laughs> well, it, I think it's just to provide like a, another competition. I mean, more oh, teams God. getting European experience. More to worry about more more mm. more pointless fixtures. Yeah. Well, what no, day we won't is it be in it, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> we might be. We might be. I mean, we might likely, be in the Champions actually. League if we win the Europa League. Let's worry about that. Okay, but finally, Alan Alga's Alan. Al- I mean, yes, Alan Alga quoted Alan on on after the game. He did tweet the, the stats, which are quite disturbing. Unai Emery's Premier League loss percentage at the point he lost his job was twenty three percent. Mikel Arteta's Premier League loss percent this season is forty three percent. I mean, that wow. is a shocker, isn't it? It is a shocker. Wow. Um, and Arteta, Arteta has 64 points from his 43 games in charge. Unai Emery had 78 from his first 43 games in charge. I mean, well, I, he, know, he, had just, that, he had that winning run at the start when he first came in, didn't he? Which kind of yeah, glossed over the did. cracks. But yeah. the, it was the, the disenchantment and it seemed to be the squad wasn't very happy. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, startling. I, mean, I, I quote start, Alan. Aren't they? Are they also, I quote Alan, which I always say this to, when he's on the show, that I, I you know, I think... You know the stats of the stats don't really prove anything because you we all I don't think anyone thinks that Arteta is a is a le, is, is not as good a manager as Di Emery and it, you know the, the stats famously Alan always quotes um, Arsene Wenger's stats which weren't brilliant you know for his first fifty games or whatever and of course I don't think anyone no one's going to argue that Unai Emery was was not was a better manager than Arsene Wenger. so it's like well what are the stats for in the end these these stats until until you actually start. Until Arteta has, you know, I I think this season, you know, if we all try and be mature enough, and it's hard because I don't want to see us finishing 14th. I really don't want to see us finishing 14th. I'd be fine with ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth. Not fine. I'd be like, I could deal with it. I can deal with it. But I don't want us to be in that second. When they always show the league on TV, it's always in two halves. I don't want to be in that second half. You know, at the end, it'll be that. That is borderline humiliating. So great. So this season is, isn't it? It's getting ready now. It feels like you're getting prepared for next year, next season. You've got rid of quite a lot of the chaff. You've dealt with the Urzel situation. Fuck knows what's going to happen with William. You've brought in some exciting players, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to regain my optimism after this last couple of games. Well, Let's think remember about... Well, Arteta's never had a pre-season either. Yeah, 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 exactly. The big exactly. thing. It is a big thing. You're right. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah. So, what do we think is going to happen in this crucial Leeds 10th place six pointer um, on Sunday? Dan. Okay. Um, is it the M's or Ellen Road? It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's no, the no, okay. Um, I'm calling. Mean, uh, we've lost games away. So, you know, we're, we're bucking that trend, don't we? I think we'll. <laughs> I'm always ever the optimist. I can't find myself predicting a loss. So I'm going to go with a sneaky two on when getting back to winning ways. Yeah. Yeah, Josh. Um, well, it does feel a bit deflated, doesn't it? After the last 
Um, oh, by the way, while Josh is thinking, what, what, while Josh is thinking, I, we should. I know we're on, but we really. The, I wanted to quit the referee thing. The, the bad that you know that have we been? Yeah, Dan's like, no, let's not get into it. Um, but we, I mean, there isn't a conspiracy, but we've had pretty bad luck, haven't we? The decisions against us. I was going to say, look at the um, uh, even in the Villa game, uh, Esri Konsa pulled back Saka, and he was gone. He was what he was going to be one on one with the keeper. Yeah, and he got a yeah. yellow card. Lacazette yeah. got. He, Martinez pulled him by his shirt and yes. VAR gave Villa a free kick. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, and Alan, Gary Lineker, right? And I'm, so there are two things about that. I, I think commentators kind of let these things go. Martin Keown, like almost like, oh yeah, that's fine. You know, when, 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 um, when Martinez was pulling, was pulling like oh, a well, it, neither of those go. were like a hundred percent clear decisions. And uh, you know, no, when Saka's running through, is, it, it's orange, it, we, isn't it? It's orange. All right, it's orange. But if it had been our player, you think we would have been sent off, wouldn't he? That's that's my, that's my feeling. It's like I do feel like Ooh, there's something like about yeah. What, what but, I do think, what I do think is, you know, it, you've seen it again. I mean, the worst one of the weekend wasn't any of ours. It was clearly what happened at West Ham, which has been overturned with Suchet. I, I do think there'll come a time where there is an ex-player involved at Stockley Park uh, at VAR, and it's going to be difficult to to make that work in the sense of accusations of bias and making sure that, you know, someone that represented a club isn't doing a game, you know, it'd be complicated. And I think they need to effectively become a referee and, and pass all the qualifications. But I do think if there is one light at the end of a tunnel, I think that conversation has been, you know, keeps coming up. And I can imagine that we are going to find that there'll be some ex-players who get involved in, in these decisions because they have played the game. They have hundreds of games of experience potentially of knowing and understanding intent and uh, analyzing situations. Yeah. So even if that happens, I hope that will happen. Be, they have to be very strong because I do notice a lot. Like you know, there tends to be like a, an opinion is formed very quickly about an incident now. Like this is what I was saying about Keon was like, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, it was fine. And kind of both those incidents, he kind of let them go. He didn't really change them. I think some. Whereas I think if it had been a Gary Neville or something, they would have focused more. And then interestingly, Gary Lineker said, you know, Ian Wright was obviously saying how. Lacazette being wrestled to the floor was a, was a penalty. And Gary Lineker said, well, the goalkeepers do that all the time and they're never given. I, I disagree with that. I don't think goalkeepers wrestle a, a striker to the ground that blatantly all the time. There's tussles. There's a lot of tussling going that, on. Yeah. But that was so blatant. Went... And it was so like 100% that the goalkeeper literally grabbing hold of the striker. Anyway, we've all got to go. We're running out of time. Josh, what's your prediction <laughs> for the Leeds game? I, I predict Arsenal will will have a victory by two goals to one. But I mean, Leeds have been been good on the road. I'm just thinking back to you know what they've done. They sort of won at won at Leicester, which was a, a you know very impressive result. And they also won at Newcastle before that. But um, I think it's a massive game. I mean, if you already think that Arsenal season is in a, a difficult position, that Leeds are you know just behind us in the table. Um, with games in hand and only two, they would go above us. I think it's any hopes of European football, you know, write them off if we don't win this game. I really believe it. 2 1 Arsenal. A, what do you think? Yeah, it's, a, it's a must win game. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be like 3 2 to us. But I'm praying, hoping and praying it's gonna, it, we're going to win that game. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the good thing um, is, Leeds, Leeds yeah. have been great to watch and, uh, and hopefully it'll make for a good game and uh, an open game. And yeah, we'll it'll probably be nil nil. <laughs> probably be nil nil. Um, thanks, Dan. Dan Betts, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very us. much. Um, Jock AFC, J O K AFC, is that on Twitter? Is that your Twitter handle? That's the one, yep. Yeah. 
in case uh, people want to follow you and read your stuff. And um, go, go back to looking after your two small children. And thank yeah, you for taking thanks. this break in your hectic world. And Josh, thank pleasure. you for taking... <laughs> Cheers, man. And Josh, thank you as ever for taking a break from your childcare issues. <laughs> it's been a joy. Thank you. And we'll be back this time next week. Cheers, bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.